You're listening to Straight No Chaser on Dogs by Nature. Well, I mean, look, obviously I've watched this guy for several years. I think the thing that stands out about him above all is this guy's an elite competitor. I mean, he really is. He's a tough dude. You know his story. You know how he went through college, had to walk on twice, earned two starting jobs. Look, it's no coincidence this guy's having tremendous success in the National Football League. I love the attitude he plays with. I love the chippiness he plays with. This guy extends plays. You know, one thing he does that's really fun to watch, and you want to eliminate that fun element when you're playing him, but when he's really condensed in the pocket, you know, he finds those small seams really seep out. A lot of quarterbacks you say are mobile quarterbacks rely on really just losing ground and gaining an edge and using their speed. I think this guy does a great job of playing freeze tag in a phone booth and coming out the winner, and he really squeaks his way out, extends the play, and he can either run the ball vertically or throw it down the field. Now, here's your host, my dad, Thelonious 7. My dogs by nature family, I hope this transmission finds you well. My name is Thelonious 7, and you're listening to The Opposition's Position on Dogs by Nature Radio. New York football giants head coach Joe Judge at the top of the show, waxing eloquent about one Baker Mayfield, courtesy of Giants.com. And this Sunday night, your Cleveland Browns kick off a series of back-to-back road contests in East Rutherford as they take on the Giants in primetime. To help us gain a further understanding of the opposition's position, we're fortunate to be joined again by the cranky fan and the football grump of the Just Giants podcast. Hello, I'm the football grump. And I am the cranky fan. And we're the hosts of the Just Giants podcast, a twice-weekly podcast on nothing but New York Giants football. It's available for free on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, and all other podcast apps. For the record, they can be found at the cranky fan and at football underscore grump on Twitter. Gentlemen, it's great to have you again in the Straight No Chaser studios. Uh, When I spoke to you earlier in the year, I had no idea how important this Week 15 matchup would be. First, can you fill us in on the thrill of the NFC East chase? What do you think about your chances to earn that division crown? I would say this is more like a faux thrill. Uh, Yes, the division is up for grabs, but none of the teams are really in a fit state for the playoffs right now. An argument can be made that the Giants in Washington maybe are finding their grooves and their rebuild under the right head coach, but neither team has really been sound or consistent at anything this year. Uh, regardless, it is actually a tight race, so it's nice to see to to be heavily invested in every conference game around the league to see how the situation changes every week. That's a nice change of pace for Giants fans. For us specifically, uh, this year was really about seeing the fruits of Dave Gettleman's labors begin to pay off after several years of being the GM. Um, and, and and what that really means is not necessarily being translated into wins, just some level of progress that shows that this team is beyond a cellar dweller. And we've already seen that to know that things are turning around. Right now, it's about 50-50. I would say that the Giants take the division. It's a little bit tough to say, but... Um, tough matchups with Cleveland and Baltimore remain before finishing at home against what kind of looks like a hapless Cowboys team at best. At best, a 7-9 a and nine record, which if tied with Washington, does win the division, but that would rely on splitting these next two games with Cleveland and Baltimore. The fact is, it is mid-December and the New York football giants are in a playoff race. That is something that none of us could have expected or even hoped for you know at this time last year or even 
you know, thinking about this offseason when we didn't think there'd even be football. So it doesn't matter what our record is. It doesn't matter how well we're not we're playing. We are playing meaningful football and we are watching our rivals play meaningful football. And if that doesn't, you know, give you a thrill or an excitement, I really don't know what does. Um, if you compartmentalize it and keep it in perspective. Uh, our, you know, losing this past week, a, a bad loss at home when the rest of the division won kind of changed the calculus of, you know, winning the division. You know, we, we had the tiebreaker with Washington. That's gone now. Uh, we have a tough sled the rest of the way. But then again, so does the rest of the division. And it's, the whole division is playing poorly. You can't pencil in a win or a loss anywhere. So I'm just excited that we're actually playing meaningful games at the same time watching this team, you know, developing into something that that was, like Grumps just said, was our goal for the year. Yeah, it's interesting to think of this as a referendum on Gettleman, but I'm kind of curious to hear what you have to say about head coach Joe Judge. Earlier in the year, he seemed to struggle, but I saw someone mention him as a dark horse candidate for coach of the year last week. How has the team fared under his leadership? What have things been like since the midseason shakeup? The early reports about Joe Judge from within camp are pretty consistent with the current reports about him, I would say. He's been a very tough-on-the-players guy, but fair. He wants his guys to contribute any way that they can. He has a big focus on sound fundamentals and building up from the bottom. He seems to be very good at delegating responsibilities with his assistants that he's assembled, which are mainly former head coaches on top of that, so that he can work as a CEO and place himself wherever more help is needed and move around. Um, However, the national media interpreted and then portrayed him as an out-of-touch Belichick wannabe who was in over his head and wouldn't be able to handle NFL players. People within the Giants organization didn't seem to see that, from beat writers to the fans, to the players, nothing really seemed like that with it. That seemed to be the national media reaction. Once Judge started getting his team competitive with the likes of Pittsburgh and Tampa Bay and the Rams, and once he dealt very professionally with, and completely, with a a Golden Tate Diva situation that popped up, and then they started stacking wins, especially the win against Seattle. Only then did the likes of the national, like Emmanuel Acho and Michael Silver, begin to walk back their previous statements about him. Um, I think a CEO coach is the right thing most of the time. But specifically for a team with problems that are all over the place and a coach with a huge focus on fundamentals and the basics of the game, like running the ball, stopping the run, rushing the passer and limiting turnovers, that's the right thing for a team being assembled by Gettleman. So it seems that they've paired GM and coach with a a like-minded philosophy. Uh, Is he going to be the answer long term? I think so. It's a little up in the air, but he's definitely the right guy right now. Uh, So far, he hasn't done a single thing. I don't think that I've ever felt was questionable um, in game or out of game. Nothing really seemed out of whack. That it, you know, immediately we had questions about Pat Shermer. Immediately we had questions about Ben McAdoo. I, I don't. I can't think of anything off the top of my head that Joe Judge has done. You know that that maybe kind of scratched my head a little bit. Uh, and the players seem to be 100% bought in with him, despite midseason rock bottom, despite switching out O-line coaches. There's been. You know, he. the reports are that he placed himself to focus in on the offensive line for several weeks. We saw the offense completely turn around. And then, you know, there was the shakeup of firing Mark Colombo Mark Colombo, and then bringing in Dave uh, D. Guglielmo. Um, there seems to be really 
not much of a drop off. Yeah, I think it's to say that he seemed to struggle in the beginning of the year. I don't think that's an accurate statement. I mean, the team struggled at the beginning of the year, but I don't think it was a question of this coach might be in over his head. I mean, the hardest thing you can ask for is a a coach that no previous head coaching experience, no coordinator experience, you know, becoming a head coach of a team, having no offseason to really work with his team to implement what he wants to do, having a, a, a second year quarterback who's going through his, you know, a, a, another different offense. So I really don't think it's a question of he struggled. I think the team took a, a while to kind of get its bearings and its feet under its ground, what it wants to do. Um, this is a team also that needed a culture change. You know, we're talking about our fourth head coach in six years. And, you know, that's uh, that's a lot of turnover. And that's a team that, you know, even from that one year where we made the playoffs, we were dealing with a team led by Odell Beckham. And we had the whole Miami boat trip fiasco where it seemed like there was a lack of, you know, a perception of a lack of uh leadership and a lot of you know, discipline on this team so he's come in here as a as a tough guy and going from a player's type coach to a coach like this is not an easy transition and I think it's been handled pretty well by everybody around um, the only you know real decision that's been in hindsight is a bit of a head scratcher I think and I don't think it's necessarily his fault was the decision to play Daniel Jones last week when it turns out he was more injured than we thought he might have been and probably was more limited in what he could do physically and maybe mentally so but again that that's a that's a decision to be made to do anything at all costs to win as opposed to x's and o's game time decisions having the team prepared to play you know this again a team is still the raw the talent they have is usually a better indicator of wins and losses than the coaching staff you know, this assembled, but I think overall he's done much better than we anticipated given the situation he was brought into. Hey guys, thanks so much for these nuanced responses. I think I was skeptical initially about the hire of Joe Judge, of course, with Freddie Kitchens going there as well, but I think I get where you guys are coming from, and we're certainly going to see firsthand on Sunday night. The next big question we had about your organization is going to be with the Daniel Jones situation. Are you guys expecting him back for this game? He's definitely made some highlight plays this year. Are you more confident in his ability now than you were at the start of this season? Uh, DJ's hamstring allowed him to play probably somewhere around 80% of his effectiveness against Arizona, but his inability to cut it and run or confidently navigate the pocket was a huge factor uh, as to why that game was a disaster. Whether that was by design to protect him or just him internally, mentally, either way, it was a major factor into why this was a disaster. I think the hamstring won't be as much of an issue for him Sunday night, uh, but because he was getting beaten around in the pocket against Arizona, he's now dealing with a twisted ankle. I know that he may not be 100%, but I still think that as long as he's medically cleared, he's going to start. Now, that's the part I don't know about. I don't know how hampered he is, and it's a little difficult to get any sort of insight into that. So it's kind of 50-50, but I think as long as he's medically cleared, he's going to go. Um... I think that significant work has been done this year to limit Jones' turnovers, which was really the only major downside to his performances last year. An offense has been kind of tailored to run the ball first and protect Jones. I personally 
some of that overprotection has hurt Jones for who he is. For instance, we're not really letting Jones rip downfield nearly as much as we should be, and I think that's one of his strengths. In part, I think that's to keep a fledgling offensive line protect him for less time by calling shorter pass plays. They're just not really as open. But other than that, I I think that a concept of run-first play-action offense is the right fit for Jones. The de- designs have just been slightly off. And again, there was no off-season really for a new offense to come in here and be 100% effective. It's kind of the subtle difference between Jason Garrett and Kevin Stefanski in play design that makes all the difference. Otherwise, they're pretty similar teams offensively. Yeah, I mean, at the beginning of the year, I had, you know, I was petrified about this season. I thought not having an offseason, I mean, this is Daniel Jones' really first offseason that he knew he was going to be the man. He was drafted last year. The expectation was they were going to take one more run with Eli Manning, and Eli Manning was benched by week two. And he was thrown in with not a you know a, a, an off season to prepare for the role. Um, now you take an off season where you change coaches, no off season to work with your teammates, work with the coaching staff, do anything. Uh, it, it could have gone south very very quickly. And then also the talents around him. You know we don't have a number one wide receiver. We have a a freak athlete as a tight end who's very inconsistent. We have one of the best running backs in the league who's been gone for most of the season due to injury. So, you know, and, and every angle, the headwinds for Daniel Jones to develop have been there. But, you know, take the injury aside, I feel more and more confident about him every every week. You know, it's not a binary decision whether the guy's a total bust or a Hall of Famer. I mean, there is, you know, there's middle ground and he's certainly, you know, at this moment, he's a below average NFL head starting quarterback but we're seeing him improving uh little by little each week and it's gonna be you know he's a project they're they've invested a high draft pick in him and i think uh i think he's gonna he's gonna stick around for a while uh we just have he just has to play and he has to get a better offensive line and better weapons around him and maybe you know have that offense tailored like as grump said to accent his strengths a little more our guests are the football grump and a cranky fan from the Just Giants podcast. Got one more question about the defense before we get to the prognostication. The defense seemed to be the strength of this team. How is our old buddy Jabril Peppers holding up? Who are some of the unsung players on that unit we need to look out for on Sunday night? Every week we give out stars of the game to players that play exceptionally. Uh, Peppers has earned a star from me two weeks in a row now against Seattle and Arizona, but he probably could have earned one every single week this year. Patrick Graham, our defensive coordinator, has has this unit that is mostly talent up front and the rest kind of stuck together with glue to be a top five defense in the league this year. If they had the luxury of playing with an offense that would score points and, and give them a lead, they would easily be top five. And Peppers has been one of the consistent ballers of the defense with help from Blake Martinez at linebacker, James Bradbury at cornerback, Leonard Williams and Dalvin Tomlinson up front. Uh, however, there are some hidden players that aren't getting talked about much outside of Giants camp. And they, for me, their Tay Crowder has quietly, quietly gone from Mr. Irrelevant to an athletic coverage linebacker. Cam Brown and Carter Coughlin are both late-round draft, draft picks that are providing significant speed and motor off of the edge that weren't there until they hit the field. Um, and probably most importantly, if he plays, he's a little banged up right now, but Darnay Holmes, our fourth-round pick from this year, at slot corner has routinely shut down whoever he's been matched up with. And he just recorded his first interception against Seattle. 
Yeah, uh, this this defense, you know, when, when Patrick Graham was hired, there was some concern there. Like, you know, this Miami defense last year was eh. Why was Miami so eager just to let him you know, take a lateral move? So, and then, you know, the secondary had a lot of attrition due to guys opting out, to guys allegedly getting into legal trouble, uh, injuries, you name it. So when we looking on paper, this defense, you know, and also, you know, the, the concern was there, we didn't draft a, you know, a big time pass rusher on the end. So there were a lot of questions going into this season. And it's been pretty remarkable what Patrick Graham has been able to concoct each week with, with this collection. A bunch of over, overachievers who are playing well and really other than the San Francisco game, which was pretty fluky, uh, it's played well almost every week. They've kept this team in games and made it close. Um, the problem has been lately that you know, the, the offense has gone south due to injuries and whatnot. Special teams have not played as well as they were in the beginning of the season, which is a little ironic considering our head coach is a special teams, you know, that's where he, he cut his teeth in this league and that was his job with New England. But um, it's, it's it's been really impressive. The question is going to become, it's gone in one year from, is this the right uh, the right hire for defensive coordinator to, are we going to lose him to become a head coach next year? So, uh you know, it, it's just it's the way we're actually, you know, calling plays on offense almost seems that we're relying so much on this defense, you know, just to score when we have to, you know, and this defense will hold us. So it, it's really big kudos to, to this coaching staff and, and to everybody on the defensive side of the ball for you know, making this team better than they really should be. Wow. So now I'm really curious about your thoughts on this game. What do you think the keys to victory are in this contest? Who do you see winning? And do you have a final score for us? Uh, For New York, the key to victory here is to not play anything like the team that played against San Francisco or Arizona. That sounds like a joke, I know, but that was the worst or second. Those are the worst and second worst offensive performances we've seen this year. On offense, the Giants can play their game the way they're designed. Run the ball at Cleveland's defense with Wayne Gallman. Utilize play action off of that to hit big plays against a secondary that doesn't particularly scare me. Cleveland has ho-hum athleticism in the back seven, and this should be a focus. But if Garrett decides to run shorter routes, the game will get much tougher on offense. On defense, this game is straightforward. Stop the run and pressure Mayfield. Bradbury can win a matchup with Landry. I'm not that worried about that. Uh, As long as Cleveland can't eat up the clock by converting first downs with Chubb and Hunt, um, Mayfield is going to have to find someone else to throw to. to. Stefanski runs a beautiful offense, and it will come down to confusing and pressuring Mayfield to make the difference. And I believe that much can happen. It's going to kind of bank on the offense doing what Daniel Jones and what they do best. You know, I think it all depends on Daniel Jones. Uh, last week, I predicted that Daniel Jones would not play and we would lose. Um, he ended up playing, but was not at 100%. And it was, you know, it impacted the offense. And as a result, we lost. Um, you know, we are recording this on a, you know, early in the week. Uh, we don't know what his status is. I am pretty pessimistic that he's going to play. I have no inside knowledge of that. I just, I just feel like, you know, this coaching staff, is not going to risk him playing, you know, if he's not 100% and really getting hurt or, you know, in a position he can't really move and then getting a concussion or something. 
uh, it's offensive. The offensive line played really poorly last week, and he took a lot of shots. And Daniel Jones is the future. It'd be great to make the playoffs this year, but I don't think it's worth risking, you know, potentially next year, you know, to just, uh, you know, to have him out there. So my my prediction is he's not going to play this week. Um, without him, we have very little chance of winning. Uh, you know, Colt McCoy is our backup. He he's not a corpse. <laughs> he he can he can throw the ball, but I'm not relying on him to do anything more than just be a placeholder in a, a stopgap until Daniel Jones is back. So I am I am predicting a, a Giants loss this week. I think that they've done nice things against competition that's at their level and a little lower. Uh, we are seeing an elevation in the in the teams they're playing now between Seattle. Arizona, Cleveland, Baltimore, and I think you know those teams are just better than us, and uh, you know they're not quitting. They're going to give a, a, a battle. They, they they are fighting to make the playoffs. I I just don't see it. I I, I think they lose this game, unfortunately, and uh, you know move on to the following week. I think this game could go anyway. If you if you told me the Giants win this one by a touchdown, I could see it happening. Especially if there's a defensive score. If you told me the Giants get totally blown out, I could believe that too. Right now, this team has a good direction, a good pieces, good coaching, but they don't have consistency and they don't have all the talent required to go up against teams as a favorite and force the opposition to game plan around them. I think based on Jones' inability to tuck it and run effectively right now, this game is a tough loss. Uh, probably by one score, maybe five points, maybe maybe a little over one score in the in the eight to ten range. Um, Cleveland is just more consistent and better at scoring right now. And like a good many games this year, too much onus is going to be put on the defense to make something happen. Yeah, we're we're not in a position yet to get into shootouts with teams with pretty good offenses, uh, unfortunately. And uh, you know, the toll is going to be taken this week. Gentlemen, these are excellent responses. Thank you for taking your time to share them with us here on Dogs by Nature Radio. Before you get going, do you have any parting words for us? You can catch me on Twitter, as always, at the Cranky Fan, where we talk all things Giants as well. And our show, Just Giants Podcast, available for free on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, and all other podcast apps. Thanks for having us. The pleasure was truly ours. We hope to hear from you guys again real soon. Well. That was your dose of the straight truth. You've been listening to the opposition's position. My name's Thelonious7, and you're listening to Dogs by Nature Radio. Take care. Go Browns.